listening to the Cornerstone Tulsa podcast. Our mission is to cultivate a community shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at cornerstonetulsa.org or find us on social media. And with that, let's hop into this week's teaching. For today is John 16, 16 through 33. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of the disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and because you have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that you may, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. This is my first uh, Easter Saturday, Holy Saturday, Silent Saturday service. I've never done one of these before. So I had to look it up a little bit and and, uh, saw that it was, and many times, based on this oldest part of the Apostles' Creed where we say that we believe in Jesus Christ who was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. That's what it says in the Catholic version of the Creed. Uh, in the Anglican, I think it's dead, 
Either way, it emphasizes that when, when Jesus died, he really died. He didn't sort of die. He died. He went and for a time was with the rest of the dead, experiencing what they experienced. But even as he descended into hell or to Hades, this was not without purpose. In 1 Peter, we read this. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit, through whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison. I don't know exactly what that means. I think it's a picture of hope that the death of Jesus is still God saving people. Even in hell, Jesus is seeking people trapped in death for good. Meanwhile, the disciples are living in their own hell. They are confused. They are ashamed, discouraged, and, and fearful. And Jesus did not forget about them. On the last night with the disciples, Jesus speaks to them not about what he's going to do, but about what they can do in the days just ahead of them. Jesus says, a little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me. And the disciples, a few verses later, are trying to figure out what he means by this. What does he mean by this a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. At this critical moment, just before his arrest, Jesus completely confuses his disciples. In a little while, they will no longer see them. And then they will. For a little while, they will experience grief and sorrow. And the world will rejoice. But then, after a little while, they will experience joy. And presumably, the world will be in sorrow. Now, the Old Testament prophets talked about this little while. Sometimes they talked about it in terms of coming judgment. For example, uh, you can read this, Hosea 1.4. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while, while I punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. But other prophets connect a little while with God's coming restoration. Haggai, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, a little while... I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. So the disciples could be confused because they're trying to figure out, is this the little while that happens in judgment, or is this the little while that ends in restoration, or maybe both? And then to clarify this, Jesus goes to yet another metaphor. In John 16, 20, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because the, her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought forth a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take that joy away from you. You know, it, it, it amused me here. Jesus is talking to a bunch of men who have never been in labor, nor will they ever be in labor. And yet he tells them that the, what they are about to experience is just like a woman in labor. Why? Well, again, this is, a, this is an Old Testament, Testament prophetic metaphor. Isaiah 26, 17. Like a pregnant woman who writhes and cries out in her pangs when she is near giving to birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. Judgment 
feels like labor. It, it, the men may not have experienced it personally, but I assume they've kind of heard the results through the walls of their houses. And it certainly sounds painful enough. But Isaiah, thank goodness, goes on for a, new, a more hopeful note. He says, your dead shall live. Your, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. The thing about labor is this. It doesn't go on forever. I'm not sure how much comfort that is when you're in the middle of it. I, uh, I certainly would not recommend saying to your wife, don't worry, this won't last. But the truth is, labor, as hard as it is, does come to an end. And then most women, most of the time, are really glad because of the result. I remember when Sandy said to me, she came up and said, I'm ready to have our second child. And I looked at her and I said, are you sure? And what I was saying in my mind was, are you nuts? When uh, we had our first, she had our first baby in 1979, she, like many women, especially in that era, did it without an epidural. It was, the thing was to have natural childbirth, you know, on your own. That was the healthiest thing to do. So her labor was long and painful, and then there were months of interrupted sleep and some tough postpartum depression. And she was just now getting back into the rhythm of sleep and some rest and feeling good. And here she was willing to go through it all again. Because as hard as it is, when there's a baby on the other end, when there's life on the other end, it's worth it. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, there's going to be a little while here when it's going to be really tough, it's going to be painful, but then it, in a little while it's going to be worth it. The time between Good Friday and Easter Sunday is a time of sorrow and grief and loss. Think of where the disciples were after the crucifixion. Some were overwhelmed with shame. Peter had denied Jesus. The rest had run away except the women and John. And, and they promised never to fail Jesus. And then they went and failed him immediately. The disciples on the Emmaus Road told the unrecognized risen Christ. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They had followed Jesus, proclaimed him as king, looked forward to him being the Christ who would change the world, and then he'd been brutally tortured and killed, hung naked on the cross. And to all these, Jesus said, what you're going through is now like a woman in labor. It hurts, but in a little while it will turn into joy. There is a way past the grief and the shame and the fear. And not just for the disciples, for us too. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble or tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, we all face trouble of some sort. And Jesus says, take heart, have courage. I have overcome the world. So how do we take heart? Where do we find courage in the midst of suffering and pain and loss? What do we do when, like the disciples, we don't know what's going to happen next? And our hopes are disappointed. John 16 would tell us, remember that all this suffering is just part of a little while. This loss will not last forever. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is coming back. If you go back to the very beginning of John 14, Jesus begins with this 
most astounding statement. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. Faith in God is equated with faith in Jesus. If there is a God, and if Jesus is resurrected, then the trouble we face is surely overcome, already overcome. Jesus is with us in the midst of the suffering and on the other side of the suffering. We can believe in him in the midst of it all. And he says, and you can pray. Uh, John 16, 23 and 24. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Ask in my name. That means ask what you believe is consistent with my character and my, my mission. This is not what Janis Joplin once said. You know, God, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all have Porsches. I must make amends. God's not going to answer that prayer. But he is saying that when we ask in the midst of suffering for God to do what would honor Jesus, God hears. When we ask for strength to abide and continue, we get it. When we ask for joy and hope, even in the midst of loss and grief, God comes for us. When we ask seeking Jesus, seeking the Father, God answers those prayers. Jesus has a word for us, for all of us who are living in the midst of our own little while. Between his ascension and his second coming. For the other utterly discouraged who are struggling to hope. Jesus says it's Saturday, but, but tomorrow is Sunday. And we will see Jesus and our sorrow will turn to joy. For the betrayed and abandoned and those overwhelmed with grief, it's Saturday, but tomorrow is Sunday and we will see Jesus and our sorrow will be turned into joy. For those who have failed and feel completely defeated, it's Saturday, but Sunday is coming and we will see Jesus and our sorrow will turn to joy. And for every one of us facing trouble, take heart. It may seem like a terrible Saturday, but Sunday is coming and we will see Jesus who has already defeated the world, the devil, and death itself. Hold on. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Pray in the name of Jesus. And keep holding on until the day comes. Let us pray. Lord, we are in in a different place from the disciples because the disciples, even though Jesus had told them about the coming death and resurrection, didn't understand what that meant, had no clue, especially after seeing him grabbed by the soldiers and stripped and beaten and crucified. It made no sense to them. They had no idea it was coming. It was all they could do, Lord, not to just run as far away as possible. But we know, Lord, that Christ is risen. We know, Lord, that your spirit has come. We have seen people who were in the depths of despair, who were crushed by life, lifted up and transformed. We've experienced that in our own life. We know, Lord, that the joy is real, that you are real. It doesn't keep us from being discouraged or disappointed it certainly doesn't keep us from failing and making a miserable mess of something. 
does keep us with the hope when we call on your name, when we seek you, when we believe in you, that you could pour into us the Holy Spirit, which gives us strength and comfort and the power of the resurrection itself. Help us, Lord. You're our only help. It is in your name we pray. Amen. We're so grateful you listened to this week's sermon at Cornerstone. If you live in the Tulsa area, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our worship and community in person. You can find service times and more information at our website. But wherever you are, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace.